When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's where we need some music, right? It's the first football Friday, I guess you would say. Bum, 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 bum. Or you do the Berman, eh, it's the Steelers at the old Sombrero, the new Sombrero, or whatever you call it. Are we waiting all day for Friday night? <laughs> That's right. I've been waiting all Thursday for Friday night. Um, Friday night football in competition with high schools, which I hate to do except in the preseason. It's the Bucks against Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers at Raymond James Stadium. Preseason week one, your new quarterback, Tom, no, I'm sorry, the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, uh, is your starter of this particular extravaganza, which uh, I, for one, cannot wait for because this is going to be interesting. The real competition, the one that matters, kind of begins now because practice, what are we talking about? Not the games, not the game I love. And this isn't even a regular season game, but it's a game. And... You're going against other players who are unpredictable in what they're going to do, and you have to read and react. And um, everyone has to make this offense, this Dave Canales offense that we're going to see for the first time. Got to see how it works and and how the offensive line blocks and how the Rashad White and the running backs run. And, and, you know, mostly, like most games, the eyes are going to be on the quarterback and they're going to follow the football. But that, too, is more important this year than ever because – as we sit here, at least, the Bucks have not announced, anyway, who the starting quarterback will be at Minnesota for week one. And Baker's going to get his chance, Baker Mayfield, to start this game against the Steelers at home. And then next week, uh, they'll go up to New Jersey and they'll practice against the Jets uh, Wednesday and Thursday, have a walkthrough on Friday, play them Saturday. That'll be Kyle Trask starting in that game behind the starting offensive line, one would presume. And then we'll see what happens the third game, um, whether or not they have a, have decided on a quarterback or not. But I'm fascinated by a lot of things, mostly just to kind of see how they function offensively in the terms of the line play, in terms of running the football, the bootlegs, the waggles. You know, this is an offense where everything kind of starts out the same, right? Like you're not giving any clues away pretty much. Um, to the defense. It was very easy to sort of read and react to what Bruce Arians was doing. Um, not a lot of motion, not a lot of trickeration. This one all starts the same. Everything looks like a zone run, and then they you know, bootleg out of it, waggle out of it, whatever. Uh, and you can have a lot of guys overplay things, lose receivers, and create some, some, some big plays down the field as well as an emphasis on running the ball. There's so much to see here and to try to evaluate, and yet you have to still step back and go, well, you know, it's only preseason. It's only the first preseason game. Um, how do you judge these things, right? Um, it's like watching a movie preview and deciding that the, that the movie stinks. 
and but and yet we've not had one of these quarterback competitions, Steve, in a long time. And I'm just wondering, is it possible over these next two weeks that not only will the coaches and the players know, but the fans will emphatically know who who should start week one in Minnesota? Well, I think that's what you're hoping for. I, mm-hmm. I think you you know if you're Todd Bowles, you're Dave Canales, Jason Light, etc. You want it to be obvious who the quarterback is. Yeah, you, you want someone to win this competition. Take it. Yep. Yeah, you know whether it's Baker or Kyle. You don't. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that can happen is uh, I don't know. I, I could uh, Baker's look good, but Kyle's looking great too, and, and I don't know who to start. That's the worst thing that can happen. Right. You want right. someone these next two weeks in tonight's game in the joint practices with New York next week, and then in game two next week, which Kyle Trask will start. At, by the time that second game's over, you want it to be obvious who the starting quarterback is, mm-hmm. it, particularly for the team and in practice and in and, and that. I mean, if the fans aren't 100% sold, okay, they're not the ones that matter. But you want Todd Bowles and Dave Canales to be like, this is our quarterback, period. More than that, you want your entire locker room to know it. Yes. You don't because and – I, and I still think that this is a, uh, a, a potential problem, um, and I've seen it happen – if it's not clear-cut, I mean really clear-cut, or if things don't go well in the beginning, it's inevitable you're going to have a fractured locker room. I've seen it. You know, I saw it when Jameis Winston was suspended and everybody knew he was going to come back and take the job. And But because Ryan Fitzpatrick performed really, really well, especially to Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson didn't want any part of Jameis Winston after that. And that's a problem. Um you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how it goes if if it is clear cut or not, and and what might look clear cut to us or not look clear cut to us doesn't mean that the, the players and the coaches don't have a different evaluation. Because again, and this gets into what I wrote about a little bit um, for the advance for uh, you know tonight's game is that you know this notion of counting touchdowns mm-hmm. or counting interceptions in practice is is just so played to me. You can do it, and that's fine. And you can bet that that the Bucks are counting them too, because they have guys that get paid to evaluate every play and you know chart every throw and all that stuff. They can tell you if Baker goes you know thirteen to twenty or Kyle goes six of of seventeen. Um, and there's a reason they do that because they got plenty of people to keep track and and that's data and 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 so it's something to evaluate. But having said all that, what they can't tell you is what was the play call. What was the defense doing? Who was he playing against? Who was he playing with? Was it the last play of the period of the red zone? You know, there's a thing the other day, and I, did we talk? We may have talked about this, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they got down on the goal line. It was the end of practice, which ended, by the way, in an interception. I think Zion McCallum made an interception, and they blew the whistle. And everybody's like, "Oh, so and so, I think it might have been bigger. So another interception. So another interception, right?" And then we got and we talked to Todd Bowles and asked him about it. He goes, "Yeah, we were we were running a situation where it was fourth and game. In other words, no time on the clock. You got one play to score, or the game's over. But you have to score. Well, throwing it away in that situation may save us an interception, but guess what? You lose just the same. Mm-hmm. So whoever the quarterback was, and I think it was Baker, was like, "Well, I got to take a shot here. Ball got tipped up and picked off, mm-hmm. intercepted." See what I mean? Like that has a different weight than the beginning of practice 
at the 50-yard line working on first and 10 and you make a terrible throw or a terrible read, again, you know, it's the old Colonel Jessup thing. You know, if you if you ask me if I encourage interceptions, you know, on the record I say no. But off the record, you know. Uh, it, and, and so they happen, but so do touchdowns and blown coverages and great throws. And so once you get through the whole, okay, what was the play? What was the route? What was the pressure? What was what was the drill? Right, like what was how many plays left in this period? Was it his last rep? You know, um, once you get past all that, you know, then you then you have more of an idea of okay, how much weight do I put on this particular one throw? And don't and and, and keep in mind too, I don't know how many, I would think thousand throws or so that a quarterback will make from individuals to seven on seven, 11 on 11 throughout the course of a training camp and three preseason games. But we're not going to like, you can't put too much weight just like, and we don't, I don't count these, but if people did, when you're working red zone, you know, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask might throw three or four touchdowns. So are we going to say, Oh, well he threw 50 touchdowns in training. No, no one says that. Right. Um, so I just think that going into this, there are people going, and this is a national conversation, huh? Huh? This might be it for Baker. He can't beat out Kyle Travis. This might be it for him. And you know what? Maybe it will be. I don't know, but don't base it on just mere, there's been 15 interceptions in training camp. By the way, Travis threw three the other day. None of they threw none of them on uh, Wednesday. Neither quarterback had an interception, and of course we're not out there uh, on Thursday. But there's been 15 interceptions. Nine of them were Kyle Trask. Five of them were, I'm sorry, nine of them were Baker Mayfield. Five of them were Kyle Trask, and one was John Wolford, I think, one or two. Um, So therefore, clearly, clearly Trask is a better quarterback. Okay, how many plays did he make? The first deep ball I saw completed, true deep ball, on the money by Kyle Trask came on Wednesday. And it was sort of a blown coverage, and Mike Evans was running, you know, completely alone. Um, I think that Wolford made the play of the day. He hit Cade Warner on a deep, beautiful deep ball. And I know that Wolford's not going to play. But, I, but I've seen as many deep balls from, from Wolford as I've seen from Kyle Trask. So, you know, again, are guys turning down throws to hit the check down, to hit the, the quick out, to, you know, hit the tight end underneath? Like, all that's part of it. And, you know, and it's true that Baker has had a, a reputation of not protecting the football. Um, and probably a lot of reasons for that. But since he came into the league, he's got the most interceptions. So so he's got to cut down on turnovers. That That's no question. That's why I think the preseason games, when you get in the game, okay, things are happening faster. Uh, the reads, you know, have to come quicker. I think Baker should have a little more advantage because he's been in the fire more. And you've you know? got guys trying to hit you. Yes, you do. And you, yes, right. You got to stare down the barrel. And is, is Kyle Trask going to be able to stand in there or, in this case, roll out of there? You know, that's the other part of this, too, is like, I, and I've said this from, I think Kyle's done a great job working on his feet, improving, you know, he talks about standing tall in the pocket and all this stuff. Um, no, unquestion, He has improved leap years from where he was last season 
or two seasons ago. Just watching him in practice, the me to you throws. Okay, what happens when they can flatten him? What happens when he gets out on the edge and he and, and things are speeding up really quick and he doesn't see the receiver? Or or can he see the receiver? Or if he sees him, can he throw an accurate ball on the run and, and avoid the hit? Because, you know, once you come out of there, the good news is is that you fooled the defense and there's open lanes and you got time to throw and all of that. The bad news is if they don't take the cheese, you got it's you and a three hundred pound man. Right, you got to either avoid them, throw it away, or make one hell of a throw under pressure. And there's going to be a lot of those plays where that quarterback's going to come out of there, including Trask, or maybe especially Trask. And it's going to be all you have to do is run because there's nothing there. Right, they've covered up your receivers. It's you against a linebacker, you against a defensive back, or running or a defensive lineman. And can you survive and get to the sideline, right, or get positive yard like? Those are all things we won't know until we watch this game. And and let me tell you something about Mike Tomlin. His guys, they're very physical. I don't care if you're talking about the first, second, or third unit. Mike is a badass. And Mike, they play Steelers football and have been playing it now for 50 years with three coaches. Um, and they will get after your butt. And they've done that, and they did it last year, as you recall, they went up there against Pittsburgh. Tom Brady did. And Kenny Pickett, you know, I think uh, ended up playing in that game and getting knocked out. And then I think they brought in somebody else. But uh, but they got after Brady. And they, even though they had no starting secondary, they shut it down. They shut that offense down. And they were physical. And they won that game easily. And, and they were not supposed to. So Mike Tomlin's guys are always prepared, and there'll be some physical play in this game, and then we'll see. You know, we're going to see a lot of whether you know Baker uh, and/or Trask how they react to the new offense. We're going to find out a little bit about Dave Canales, and we're going to find out, I think, a lot about Rashad White. Um, you know, you've got other running backs that they want to get involved. Um, you know, from Chase Edmonds and, you know, of course, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is supposed to play a bigger role in this thing. Going to see a lot of rookies um, in this game and how they react to things, which is going to be huge. I mean, it's preseason, I don't know how long Baker and those guys will play, and frankly, it doesn't matter, but understand this too. So when Trask goes in the game, no matter what Baker does, and Trask goes in this game, um, He'll be playing predominantly, I think, behind a kind of a patchwork offensive line. Maybe no starters in there at all by the time he plays. So do we evaluate him the same way as we do Mayfield? Or when he goes in, he might be playing the Steelers' second defense or third defense or a combination of that. Are they as good as what Baker Mayfield just faced? So so all of that has to, and that's why it's good to start one guy one week, one guy the next week if you're going to do this. Um, but all of that has to kind of be factored in there when you're trying to evaluate the quarterback competition. All right, I'll tell you who I'm going to be watching closely, some young players in particular. But first, I want to tell you guys that you already know it's hurricane season, right, in Florida? Well, it's here. Uh, But there's still time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. And that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. Now, with solar battery backup power, there is no fuel cost, no loud generating noise, 
No annual maintenance cost, plus May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month. And if you lose your power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing in-phase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. We talked to uh, Todd Bowles the other day and asked him sort of where are those positions that have the biggest competition. Immediately, he said outside linebacker. And you know what? It makes sense. I mean, you got Shaquille Barrett and Joe Tryon, Shawinka, and I would think that if both those guys are healthy, and they are right now, um, they're going to be your starters. And we'll see. It's very difficult. Um, he's been cleared for everything, but Shaquille Barrett's trying to come back off an Achilles injury. You know, he was a guy who had one of the most explosive first steps in the NFL. Is that still going to be there uh, when he pushes off that thing? Is there going to be confidence? Is he going to have that quick twitch still? I'm not really sure. Um, behind him, of course, is Anthony Nelson, who for the number of snaps that he's taken has been incredibly productive as a pass rusher. Five and a half sacks, that kind of thing with limited snaps. Then I'm really interested to see uh, the rookie, Yaya Diaby from Louisville. Uh, a guy that that looks the part. Um, kind of Shaq Barrett-like in terms of size and quickness, um, but just was really productive as a pass rusher and, and, and an edge guy that could wind up playing quite a bit, uh, particularly if either Joe Tryon's not effective or Shaq um, becomes uh, less than Shaq Barrett because of the injury and has to work his way back a little slower. Then there's some other guys. Um, their draft pick, uh, Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan, they love this kid. I mean, I have talked to three or four guys in the front office just to ask them, kind of like, yeah, who do you, you know, who's kind of your favorite under the radar? And they, to a man, it was like almost unanimous. Like, did you guys talk about this? Jose Ramirez is that guy. Um, pure pass rusher, can really get after the quarterback, change of direction, all of that stuff. He's hard to evaluate right now still because even though they're in pads, they're not going you know, 100 miles an hour um, out there. But it's still uh, been fun to watch him. And I think he's one of those guys going to play a lot in the preseason. And then the other one that's that's in the mix is Cam Gill because if you remember the Super Bowl year, Cam Gill got half a sack in that game against Kansas City. He was coming in there in a rotation and, and, and putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So they, they do have some tough decisions. And maybe they keep five depending on the other positions, you know, if you go lighter at running back or tight end or wide receiver or something like that. Um, the wide receiver position. This is one where I think the Bucks are quietly loaded. And I mean that in terms of we know they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And Russell Gage, if he's healthy, and he is right now, is going to be their number three to start the year. Okay. Um, but I'm, I've watched these guys, man, and there's some real talent out there. Uh, and in no particular order, let's just start with the draft pick, Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer is big. He's fast. He has great hands, and he gets in and out of routes pretty well. Now, he's learning one position. They're not moving around in the slot and all of that. But Trey Palmer's a baller. I think, and I haven't read this specifically 
I think no less than Randy Moss has predicted he's going to become one of the best receivers in the league. And he has not played it down. He started at LSU, uh, wound up trade, uh, being transferred or going to Nebraska, had a 1,000-yard season there. Oh, by the way, Nebraska doesn't throw the ball very well. But this cat can flat-out fly, can just get it. Um, and then you have guys like uh, Rakim Jarrett uh, from Maryland who's a stud. You know, undrafted. They paid him a lot of money. He's going to at least be on the practice squad. There's no doubt about that based on what they paid him. David Moore comes over from Seattle, guy that knows the system, solid veteran, not flashy. Um, and if you want flashy, I give you Devin Tompkins. Devin Tompkins, uh, I wrote the other day, is kind of like the Bucks jump man. He's five foot eight, got about a forty inch vertical, plays like he's six four. But the hands on this kid, the way he attacks the ball, the way he contorts his body, and the speed. He's like a 4-3-3 guy. Um, you know, was on the practice squad a year ago out of Utah State. They didn't use him till three-quarters of the way through the season when they replaced him uh, as the kickoff returner. Didn't get many chances to have, I think he had like six receptions. Um, but if you get the ball in this guy's hands, first of all, he's going to go up into a crowd and like jump out of the gym like you can't believe and come down with it and snatch it. Uh, but he's also got tons of run after the catch, tons of speed uh, to go with that. And then there's even guys like Tay Barber. Kalen Geiger last year had a really good training camp, made the team. Um, and, and then Cade Warner, who slowest guy out there, uh, you know, 4'7 guy. You know what he does? All he does is get open. He knows the game so well and makes himself available to the quarterbacks based on the defense and all of that, that he has made a ton of plays out there. Uh, and so Cade's going to get a chance to try to prove what he can do. Ryan Miller is another guy that's made. I'm telling you, they're going to they're going to wind up if they're lucky. These guys, some of these guys, will clear waivers and get them back in the practice squad. But the next sort of group of great receivers, because Mike Evans is going in his tenth year, Chris Godwin in his seventh. I think there's a chance that one or two of these guys are going to fill their shoes. Like they, you know, the next generation may be on this roster right now. That's that's how good they've looked, and and I'm not, I know that's hype. Um, look, they could go out there and stink for a couple games. I don't know, but in practice, at least they look the part. Um, they've got to learn how to play in the NFL. They don't know what they don't know, all that stuff. But if you just look at if, if you watch these guys run, catch, uh, run routes, like they're the real deal. They've got they've done a nice job of finding some young receivers to go with Evan Scott when engage. And there's going to be some tough decisions to be made at the receiver position as well. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, we had some mailbag questions uh, about the Bucks, so let's go ahead and wrap those up. All right, well, Boog had uh, tweeted us. He says, how does the new OC come up with a playbook so quickly? Does he copy from previous teams, or do they start on a playbook as assistants before they get hired? Yeah, you know, this is interesting because uh, he really didn't come up with it that quickly. I mean, he did um, bring his own sort of system, if you will, or – a combination of systems that they ran in Seattle 
Uh, their latest coordinator was from the Rams out there, so there was a Rams influence on what they were doing. Um, and 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 this will resemble last year's Seattle Seahawks offense, not the one Russell Wilson played in, but the one that Geno Smith did. Uh, again, with a lot of the outside zone reads and stuff. We asked Canales like when players would get a playbook when he was hired, you know, back in March or whatever it was. And he goes, "Oh, I I'm not even begun on the playbook just yet. Like I got." You know, plenty of time for that, and we'll do it in the off season. We'll install it, uh, and they have. And it's you know, it's incremental. You know, you can't give these guys everything at once. And the biggest thing is the terminology. You know, football is football. They've been played for over a hundred years, and there's only so many route combinations and run schemes and blocking schemes and things you can do. So, a lot of this is carryover. It's what you call it. It's sort of, you know the verbiage that you have to get down that players have to, you know, sort of learn that language. And once they do that, they can play fast and know where they're supposed to go. And and the quarterbacks can read things out quicker and and be more accurate and all of that stuff. So Canales wanted to kind of give it to him in pieces during the OTAs, which is what he did. So, you know, he, he'd give them a little bit in one OTA and a little bit more, and then they review it and, then you have the mandatory mini camp, which is more review. And so by the time they got to training camp is when they really got their playbooks. Okay. But they had already done the install and the and the principles of the offense and the foundation of the offense is in. Once you establish what you are and, and who you are and what you call each position um in each route, then you can, you know, branch out from there. Then it just works. Um so it it took a it took a while. He was in no hurry, but yeah, the influences that he's had um, is he's been with Pete Carroll for sixteen years. Carroll is is a defensive coach, but he's been behind a lot of different offensive coordinators. Uh, he got passed over twice on his own team, um, and there is a little bit of a Rams influence um, as well. So, um, yeah, it's just where you are, what you like, who you've coached with, you steal. You know, John Gruden used to say he's one of the greatest thieves. I'm not one of the greatest thieves in the NFL, man. I steal from everybody. You know what I mean? And he did. Um, but then it becomes the Bucks offense. And that's what you're hoping for is that, you know, it's not Dave Canales. Like, this This is what the Bucks do. This is what they do well. And 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 then you're on your way. But um, it, it, it took them pretty much all the offseason to really come up with an actual playbook for those guys. All right, Greg had tweeted us. He says, can you explain how splitting reps with the quarterbacks increases the cohesiveness needed in a new offense? Well, I don't think it does. Um, now that, you know, like I said, I've talked about this. There, there, is, there is this etiquette, and I understand it, that, you know, you got to earn it. You got to earn it um, in football. You know, no one's handed a job unless you're Tom Brady, and he's already earned it through all that he did in New England. Um, but very few guys, you just come in and you, know, you, you kind of anoint them, if you will. Um, that said, cohesiveness comes with repetition. Teams that win have continuity, okay? So what does that mean? Um, if the same guys are in the same position, the more experiences they have together, right, the more times they're on the field, and this happened, remember you did this. And this happened, and I did this, but it didn't work, so maybe I need to throw this back shoulder. Or, you know, the more 
time on task. And Tom Brady used to talk about this. I just needed more time on task. The more time on task you have, the less room for error, right? Or the less probability of error. You want, you both understand what you're doing. You know what he's thinking. He knows what you're thinking. You're reacting to the defense in real time in three seconds. Um, that's what's important. That's what wins. Cohesiveness. Uh, camaraderie. You know, all those things where there's a familiarity, repetition. And you got to drill that down, and that, that just takes time. You know, that, that's, just, that's just time on task. Well, they've affected that by this competition. They've affected the amount of time on task. Whoever the starting, starting quarterback is, he will have lost half those reps. And you could say, well, but it made him better because he was competing. I will just say this about that. Like, you're a professional football player. No, you're a quarterback in the in the National Football League. They don't just hand those jobs away. If you're not the most competitive guy on the team at quarterback and you're in the NFL, then what are you doing here? You know, there was this, and, and I understand what Dave was saying. He's like, look, you know, if I declare Baker Mayfield's a starter from day one, then Kyle Trask is like, well, shoot, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm number two. I'm not going to play like a starter. But if I tell him he could start or it's a competition and he and if he wins the job, we will play him, now he's really into it. Now he, now he's preparing and thinking of himself as a starter. And I guess some of that's true. I understand what he's saying. I really do. Um, by the same token, how did you get here if you're not already the most competitive guy? How did you get to be a quarterback if you don't have belief in yourself? Tom Brady used to say this all the time. He goes, look, if you don't believe in yourself more than anybody else, how do you expect someone else to believe in you? If you don't think you can do it, then no one don't expect anybody else to think you can do it. And so so all that, you know, is, is sort of to say that time on task, uh, camaraderie with teammates, execution, all those things matter and it and and you're not you're splitting you're splitting the baby in half here a little bit. You know what I mean? You're saying, "Okay, he's going to get this many and he's going to get this many and then so you're kind of hurting. You're, you're helping the backup maybe a little bit. Like if Trask becomes the number two, he'll be a better player. He'll be prepared for it. But and I'm sure you're making it easier for the starter who has never played with these guys, who has a new offense to learn. And when he gets to Minnesota, uh, maybe he could have benefited from a few more reps or all of them. Um, but that's that's a judgment call that they've made. And it, may, it worked for Geno Smith a year ago. Um, it didn't hurt him. I just, I just wonder how it's going to work out here, you know. Um, but in terms of cohesiveness, look, there's a lot of reps out there. I think these guys are familiar with both quarterbacks. They've known Kyle for a while. Some of them haven't played with him because he wasn't, you know, he's on the scout squad at best or throwing to the third team receivers and that kind of thing. Um, but they all respect they respect both guys and they know that both guys can play. We'll just have to see how it all how it all shakes out. I. I I think I think they need to declare a quarterback, and it won't be until after the second game at the earliest. But the sooner they can do that, then they can really, really, really hone in on cohesiveness and a game plan for Minnesota. Um, but it'll only be two weeks and not, you know, not the full 
what five weeks that they would have had if they if they'd have known who the starting quarterback was day one. Glenn tweeted us. He says it seems everyone is saying the Bucks are a bottom five team. I think they are better than that. Middle of the road at least. Is there a post Brady Bucks will be a bad again effect? Please tell me I'm not wrong in buying my own lie. Well, I don't want to tell you you're wrong, but <laughs> look, the NFL is cyclical and it's built this way, right? Uh, parody is the lifeblood of the NFL. Uh, every every team, all thirty two teams, have to believe that they have a chance, right? And and to be honest with you, they don't, but they have to believe they do. And the system of competitive balance is in place. You lose, you get the higher draft pick. Everyone has so much salary cap money. Um, it's a hard cap. You all have the same amount to spend. You can retain your good players, all of that stuff. There's free agency if you need it to to get better quicker. Um, so so theoretically, at least, you know, this is a this. Everybody should be eight eight and eight when they played sixteen games, or nine and nine and eight now, or whatever. Um, you know, they want everybody in the hunt. Um, that's that's the model of the National Football League. Now, what I would say to you is that what they're trying to do is thread a needle this year because this is a post-Super Bowl, post, you know, three three years in a row playoff team, division, two-time division champion, all that. Um, and they've still got pieces. But some of those pieces are older now. They've gotten rid of some of the even older players and they replaced them with some youth, which they need to do. They needed to get younger. They needed to get faster. And then in the process of doing that, but there's no more of this, like, you know, we're in a rebuilding phase. Like try, try to tell that to a head coach who's, you know, fighting his ass off to keep his job, right? Or rebuilding. Well, you're going to be doing it with somebody else if I don't win games, right? So the best you can hope for is that you have a competitive team, a good product, you have a chance, right? You have a chance to hang in the division, win your division, get in the wild card, get to the playoffs somehow. Um, that's what everybody, that's where it starts. If you make that, then you get in the tournament and you never know what's going to happen. I, I think the Bucks aren't about a bottom five team. I don't believe that. I think they're better than that. I've seen them at 31 people ranking teams. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Now, could it happen? Yeah, it could. I could paint you a scenario. But largely, this this league, okay, is a coach-quarterback league. It, I'm not a gambler, but if I were, I would say look at every week. Tell me who the coach and the quarterback is going against the other coach and the other quarterback. I'll take Mahomes and Andy Reid every day, twice on Sunday and once in the Super Bowl. Actually, now three times in the Super Bowl, but twice, twice they won. That's just how the the National Football League works, right? So, coach quarterback against coach quarterback. All right, well, what do we have here? Well, Todd Bowles is the head coach. Won a division title last year, his first season. Wasn't able to hire any assistants. Yeah, they went eight and nine, but you know what? They could have easily been nine and eight if they'd have tried to play the final game. And even though the division wasn't very good, um, you know it it. It took a lot to get here. I mean, I think they had five fourth-quarter comebacks or overtime. So they won some big games and big moments and big times. They did it with the greatest quarterback of all time. But he wasn't able to get past the wild card, and he got flattened by Dallas. 
Is that a good year? Well, they hung their seventh division banner. There was only, there was only six of them before that. Uh, but was it a winning season? No. They're eight and ten. If you count the playoff. And how many winning seasons has Todd Bowles had? Exactly one when he's with the New York Jets and, and he's had five losing seasons. Can he get to six? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, he needs to win. They all need to win. But I, I don't think the Bucks are nearly as bad as what other people think they are. However, if either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask don't wind up looking like legit number one starters in the NFL, this team will not will not win a lot of games because it's a coach quarterback league. You know, Mayfield needs to have a bounce the way Geno Smith did, um, or or even more so. You know, Kyle Trask needs to be Brock Purdy, only drafted in the second round, right? Like that's what you're hoping for. Like you need you need excellence from that position, regardless of who plays. They need to catch lightning in a bottle somewhere, whether it's that guy, you know, that's been kicked around and has pedigree like Baker or that guy that was always counted out that's been sitting right on your roster all along learning from Tom Brady and now he's ready to let, ready to let it rip. Somewhere they need that to hit. If it doesn't, they're going to be looking for a quarterback and, and maybe a new head coach next year. I mean, that's sort of where the, they're where the rest of the NFL is. If you don't have Josh Allen, right, if you don't have, you know, Patrick Mahomes, um, hell, even if <laughs> even if you're Chicago and you have Justin Fields and nobody knows what he is yet, but you feel like you got a chance, right? Like he could be he could be really the next guy, right? Maybe he's the next dude. Who knows? If you got Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow went to a bad Cincinnati team and wound up making them great almost by himself with no help at all. Had the receiver. Didn't have an offensive line, pretty good running back. And 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 I mean, so if you got one of those dudes, then you got a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think there's about five or six teams a year that have a legit, and Sean Payton has said it, they have a legit chance of winning it. They do. And if you want to know who those teams are, look at the ones that have been given the better bye weeks and look at the ones that uh, that were in the playoffs a year ago, and look at the ones that have the best coach and quarterback combination. They're the ones that are going to go far. I don't know that you would count the Bucks among those teams. I like Todd Bowles. Um, his record is not great as a head coach. Doesn't mean he isn't a good one, um, but he just hasn't had sustainable success yet. And the quarterback situation is murky at best. I couldn't tell you if one, none, or both of these guys are back next year. I really don't know. Um, but I don't think they're as bad as everyone else thinks they are. And I think defensively, in particular, they're getting overlooked a little bit. Now, they're going to have to get a pass rush. They're going to have to find a way to get pressure on a quarterback. They didn't do that last year. But they got two really good corners. they got two good safeties. Uh, I think they're, they're quicker up front than they have been. I think they have depth at the outside linebacker spot. I think they're going to be really good. And if Devin White is motivated, as he is, to get a $100 million contract, Levante David may be playing his last year in football, that could be a lethal combination too. So, yeah, I think they're better than others think, but uh, I'm not ready to put them in, in the Super Bowl just yet. Okay, we'll end on this. And Michael tweeted us. He says, with pay-for-play now okay and the open transfer portal and conferences running the show, what does the NCAA do? 
Well, I don't know that the NCAA is going to do anything because, frankly, college football is run by two super conferences, and that's the SEC and the Big Ten. And and, and it's run by television revenue, uh, which goes now to the two biggest conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, I think those conferences are going to make their own rules. I think they're going to have some some agreements between them about NIL, about transfers, about a lot of things. Um, if and when they ever, you know, settle on a number of teams and uh, do their contracts and kind of know what the path forward is going to be. Um, as for the rest of them, I, it's still the Wild West, right? You'd like to think that it'd be great to have a czar of college football, like a, a commissioner, if you will. Um, that that would uh, kind of regulate all these things. I don't think that's possible because university presidents run colleges, not not athletic dudes. Um, although sometimes they're more important and get paid more. Um, I I still think that it's going to be conference to conference, not the NCAA trying to step in and do anything. They've been feckless for years, um, which is why we're arrived to the position we're at today. Um, but eventually. As Matt Baker, and if you haven't listened to Matt Baker's um, visit with us the other day, go on uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay and find that show from Tuesday. Uh, but he talked about it. He said, "Look, I, you know, I'm almost like coming around to embracing what's what the what it's going to be, right? That there's going to be more more certainty, more uh, you know, sort of more structure within these super conferences about what you can do, what you can't do." Um, maybe, maybe even some more parity to that extent. Um, and so he's, he's sort of looking at it as in a positive way, but if you're not in the SEC or the big 10 or maybe even the big 12, um, this, this is cataclysmic. Like you need, you need to get somewhere, um, you know, to get that money and, and to not be one of the have nots. You want to be one of the haves and that's, what's being formed right now. They're picking teams, man. And you just, you got it. You don't want to be the last, the last guy standing there. Um, so I don't know that there'll be a central place to regulate, you know, transfer portals and the, the the NILs and all that. But I think that there will be a couple super conferences that will create some uniformity and some parity in, in, in respect to, you know, here's what you can and can't do. And that's going to be important. I, I wish it were college football wide. But I just don't think that's the direction they're headed. All right, one more tweet. It's a, more of a comment than a uh, question, but yeah. I wanted to thank Jason for sending it in, and, and it's a reminder, too. He says, your podcast is the best. I listen to it every morning on the way to work. Keep killing it. Yeah, you do. And just wanted to thank him for sending the note, but also uh, you know, tell your friends about this podcast. If you want to post on social media, retweet about it. Um, hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app if you haven't already. It really helps us out as uh, this podcast keeps growing and we want to keep growing it. So, And we will pay you if you – no, we won't. We won't pay you anything, but um, <laughs> but it will pay us. Um, no, but listen, seriously, I don't I, – I, that's a nice note, and, and I've, we've gotten some nice notes, and we should read them. Um, what a great podcast by us. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, I get stopped all the time, and, and it is important, you know, for people to rate us, to tell other people about it, to help us grow. If you like it, you know, we're not going to be here forever uh, unless there's a reason to be. And that means that you're enjoying this um, and that we can grow. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a nice note. I get you get plenty of those. I get them um, and we're going to read some more of them. But uh, but it's a reminder that 
there are things you guys can do to help us out, and uh, we really do appreciate you listening and anything you can do to uh, to help us sustain what we love doing. So, uh, all right, so it's Bucks against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll be back on Monday to tell you all about that, as well as uh, the Rays. Who they got coming in next? Who is the, the Guardians? Uh, ooh, the Cleveland Guardians. There you go. That should be an interesting series. I tell you, their next three series are, are much more uh, uh, to their benefit than the next three series of the Orioles. So this might be the next week or so where the Rays have a chance to get yeah. back in the first place. And I'm next week saying. they go back west, but it's the Giants and the Angels. So right. decent teams, but not the you know not the cream of the crop. And I think the Orioles have to go play at Seattle, which is a tough uh, tough place. They got two or three teams that are in the wild card hunt. Um, you know, and and also on the West Coast. So yeah, they're in Seattle this weekend, and then they're in San Diego and Oakland. So yeah, this is a long see. West Coast trip for them. It's a long trip, and even San Diego's can be pretty competitive. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know about Oakland's not playing very well, but um, so yeah, the Rays just need uh, to continue their winning ways and and hope that maybe the Orioles cool off. It's been really they've been really hot uh, as uh, as they'd have to be in order to take down the Rays. All right, again, thanks for listening. Um, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you about the Bucks and the Steelers on Monday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.